It's Wednesday, June 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Sarah Hav and from Rule Breakers David Kretzman. Guys, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having us. Hi, Mark. Thanks for being here. Uh, plenty to talk about today, including earnings from Monsanto, new ideas from Amazon, and a huge stock split from Netflix. But we begin with home builder Lennar. Lennar is the second largest home builder in the US, which means it's a pretty good indicator of how things are going overall across the country. So, Sarah, how did Lennar look this quarter? Well, they had a great quarter, Mark, and I think a lot of uh, people in the market are seeing this as an even bigger indicator of the overall housing market. Mm -hmm. It is the second largest home builder, as you said, and uh, they uh, increased net earnings 47% for the first quarter, so that's pretty huge. Um, And new orders are up 18%, and I think uh, a lot of of in analysts out there see that as an indicator of, again of of home building picking up, which is one of the biggest indicators of a healthy economy in this country. So it maybe the recession is finally wearing off. Whoa, whoa, those are big words big here. News. I, I like that though, uh, David. Do you feel similarly? Will the good times keep rolling for Lennar and the economy in general? I suppose. Well, backing up a little bit, this was a stock that was just hammered in mm. uh, the last recession. It was down more than eighty percent. Uh, but it's actually more than doubled the performance of the S&P 500 over the past five years. So it's it has recovered. It's still the stock still isn't uh, at those pre-recession levels. But no, I think this is a good sign when you have new orders up, backlog is up, home deliveries are up. And that that's all a very strong indicator of the economy continuing to improve. So good news for investors and for people uh, who who like a good economy. It's all gravy, baby. All right, next up, Monsanto, the world's biggest seed seller, announced third quarter earnings. Sarah, again, looked pretty good for Monsanto. Right, and here's another company that's just been battered from all sides. Uh, you know, some would say with good reason. Hmm. It is pretty emblematic of the large corporation, and a lot of people see uh, evil in Monsanto's <laughs> uh, operations and actions. But uh, again, it is a huge company in, in the U.S. and around the world, so it's good to see that it's having a good quarter, mm-hmm. just in terms of the overall indicators for the, the economy at large. Absolutely. And Monsanto... <laughs> An indicator of evil may be a little strong, but but I see <laughs> what you mean. No, some people see it well, as that, and I see what you mean. A lot of people these days, they uh, people are more aware of what they're eating than ever before. Right, uh, healthy eating is a huge trend right now, and Monsanto is the biggest seller of herbicides in the world. Uh, do you feel like that trend of healthy eating is going to keep Monsanto down? I mean, they're down thirteen percent in the last year. But over the last five years, they've done pretty well. It's up about like 130 percent, I think, when I when I was checking before the show. Right. I mean, I think it's kind of like uh, when Coca Cola has a little bit of a dip. Yeah, people are super mm. into healthy eating, but there's still going to be a ton of uh, Coke drinkers out there. And with Monsanto, they're just entrenched in agriculture around the whole world. Um, they have a very powerful position. I'm not saying that everything they do is right or the best, but it also they are so ingrained in the uh, agricultural production that I, I don't think it's too much to worry about over the long term. Right, yeah, for better or worse, the company is a cash cow. So Absolutely, I mean, over yeah. the past year, they've generated I think 1.6 billion in free cash flow. So the company, even though you have people protesting them, people are obviously lobbying against GMOs, mm-hmm. herbicides, all those things. The company is still. Producing a lot of cash, so and that's all that matters. That's the only thing that matters ever. <laughs> it's all about the bottom line. That's right. All right, uh, moving right along. Netflix has announced it is splitting its stock seven ways. 
Uh, David, for those of that, uh, us out there who don't know, what is a stock split? Why does the company do it? And why is it so big uh, in Netflix's case? That was like three questions. I know. So I'm going to try to them answer, all. answer them all. Uh, a company will split its stock mainly for liquidity. So th- this is for institutional investors. So Netflix shares have been uh, priced, I think, over $600 mm-hmm. lately. So uh, for an, an institutional investor that's trying to invest you know, a lot of money in Netflix shares, Having a high share price can make that a little tricky. So Netflix is saying, "Hey, we'll we'll ease it up on you guys. We'll split it seven ways." But this has no impact on the underlying value of the company. It's basically you have the same pie, but it's split seven more ways now. Um, so yeah, if you're a Netflix shareholder, you'll multiply your current share count by by seven. The stock will be divided by seven. Uh, so you get a little that, bit that, more, but you also get nothing more. Nothing more. So it's like <laughs> you have have a pizza, but you have more slices of, of the same pizza. That's, That's really well all it is. So. Uh, so really, a non-event for uh, long-term investors like mm-hmm. like us at the Fool. But uh, some people still get excited when when the stock splits, and you know, good for them. If, if it makes them happier, <laughs> so be it. Good for them. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, pizza, <laughs> Pizza oh, Hut, no. hot dog pizza crust. We're we were talking there. about this earlier. Uh, this isn't part of the show, but I just want to know: Will you guys have some of Pizza Hut's mini hot dog crust pizza? In the near future. No, I Why? say in the most curmudgeonly <laughs> way possible. Oh, boo. Probably not going to happen. What? Come on, no. guys. We have a pizza day every day. Er, well, every David's month a vegetarian. And I can't eat gluten. Oh, yeah. So that would, that, would, oh. that would literally oh, kill this me. took a turn for the worst. <laughs> Are you going to eat it, Mark? Of course I am. That's not even a question. Daily meal. Knocking on the door before they're even <laughs> open. <laughs> Got some at home right now. All right. Uh, two bits of Amazon news recently. First off, the company announced that starting July 1st, it would pay authors per page rent. That means if you uh, rent or borrow a book on the Kindle Unlimited uh, or Kindle Owners Lending Library programs, Amazon will not just pay or won't pay you a lump sum for that book borrowed. It will be paid (laughs) per page read by readers. Sarah, I don't know how I feel about this. It seems like there's a lot of room for abuse of this system. It sure does. I I think it's it could cut both ways. I mean, maybe the first thing that pops to mind is readers pretending to read pages, but I think (laughs) what's more likely to happen is that a lot of uh, books that people just decided to give a try, they might try one or two pages and uh, give up on it, and (laughs) it's just gonna hurt authors, especially smaller authors and less well-known authors. Absolutely. And it feels like you're not going to get as many Hemingways. You're going to get more Hobbit movies, where you take one book and extend it into three giant two-hour movies. I don't know if that's better or worse for readers out there. Uh, David, the other bit of Amazon news was the Amazon Echo, which goes on sale soon. Uh, Essentially, it is a voice-activated personal assistant, I think is the best way to put it. It's basically a little cylinder with a couple of speakers and microphones that you can talk to. Uh, It can act as an alarm clock, it can read you books, play music. Play music. The only reason Amazon ever does anything, though, is to get people to its website. How does the Amazon Echo fit into Amazon's ecosystem? Uh, I think it, it really fits into the ecosystem because uh, it, it'll play music from uh, Prime Music. So Amazon's really building out its uh, library of music on uh, on Prime uh, for its members. Uh, it'll read you books, as you said. So obviously, we, we just talked about what Amazon's doing with Kindle. So this way, people can have this little nice robot cylinder read them a book mm-hmm. as they wake up in the morning or read them the news or the weather or anything. It so was a, a dark and stormy <laughs> night. <laughs> it's the best way well, to hear a book. Speak like that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> so it's perfect. Um, and, and this is something that they can keep working with, improving the software over time. They've already added features, so uh, you know you can listen to music on Pandora, say, if the song isn't on Amazon mm. Prime. So rounding out that ecosystem, it's something that just reinforces go to Amazon. Right. Re- rely on us. And literally, there's, there's a feature where you can say, oh, I'm out of tissues. Hey, Amazon Echo. Put tissues in my cart on Amazon.com, and they're there for you. We we're talking before the show. Jason Moser does this, and he just ha- uses his program to change channels on his television, and, right, and play music and yep. buy things. This is the way of the future, guys. And we all want to be a little more like Jason Moser, so. <laughs> who's in Hawaii right now. So yes, I absolutely right. <laughs> do want to be a little more like Jason Moser. Uh, all right. Last but certainly not least, earlier this week, Morgan Housel was on the show, and he talked about some of his favorite sites from around the web where he gleans uh, financial advice and insights from. We had a few listeners actually send in emails asking for more sources that fools use. So that said, Sarah, what are some websites or maybe books, just resources that you find yourself returning to? Well, as far as books go, I like uh, everything Michael Lewis writes pretty much. I have the new one at my desk. I haven't started it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And um, on websites, Farnham Street is a blog that's gaining popularity. So some members might be familiar with it, others not. But it's it's not quite a financial focus blog, but it's um, the author of the blog, Shane Parrish. He reads books and then kind of does his version of Cliff's Notes on them. And so it's just very interesting and it gives you great ideas to read further or it gives you the basics if you're if it's something that you just want to know the the gist of something and take it from there. Right. Yep. Yeah, you use it to make a summer reading list. I right. Like yeah, We're no. big fans of mental models here at The Fool and it's perfect for that. There you go. Uh, David, what about you? A uh, book I'm reading right now, it's uh, a great de- The Great Depression, A Diary. It's uh, by a man named uh, Benjamin <laughs> Roth. It's not about a guy who's depressed. He, he was a guy who... Uh, once the Great Depression started happening, you know, the early 30s, he he was someone who he, he looked at it. He's like, I want to learn from this. Hmm. I want to learn about the stock market, the economy, and all these different factors. So he took some really uh, detailed and inter- interesting notes and observations of the Great Depression. He has some really, I think, keen insights into how to invest through those times of turmoil. Um, hmm. So that, that, that it's an interesting read, uh, really fascinating by a man, yeah, Benjamin Roth. And then I honestly don't read a whole lot of blogs, but one person who I do try to follow, yeah, shame on me. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, Above the Crowd by Bill Gurley. He's a venture capitalist with um, Benchmark Capital, and he's hmm. someone he, he's early investor in. Uber and a whole lot of these other disruptive upstarts that a lot of them tend to be very transformative in the world. So he's someone I pay attention to. And then, honestly, most of my reading happens on the Motley Fool discussion boards. That's a shameless plug, but that that is where I go. Uh, I spend the bulk of my time on the discussion boards, and that way you have it's almost crowdsourcing uh, what what you're supposed to read about these different companies and trends and stuff. So I I recommend for anyone who's not on the boards, uh, you can find some good stuff on there. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. What a great way to end the show. All right, Sarah Hav, Dave Gressman, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.